You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. A very merry draft miss to you. Thanks for joining us today. My name is Ken Swanson. This is a special edition of the AP Laboratory. I don't even know if we're going to call it the AP Laboratory. We're going to call it the AP Draft Show. Regardless, it's a very draft-heavy show. Much like the Kansas City Chiefs are doing right now, doing some self-evaluation with their current roster and, and kind of just looking and seeing you know, what they've got and what adjustments they need to make out of the bye. We're gonna just we're gonna kind of look ahead too. We're gonna have some honest conversations about the people on the roster right now. We're gonna preview the Senior Bowl. Talk a little bit about the Senior Bowl, which uh, the Arrowhead, the Arrowhead Pride team will be at uh, in, in some capacity. We'll, we're, tr- we're tr- still trying to find out who all will be there, but uh, we're gonna talk about the Senior Bowl, and then we're gonna do a mock draft because it's never too early for a mock draft. Little little uh, little little present for you right before Thanksgiving. Here to talk to me about all this stuff. First, find him on Twitter at Chief in Carolina, and right now find him in my basement with me. That's not weird. At Chief in Carolina, Matthew Lane. Hello, my friend. How are we this fine day? For those keeping record, that is four days. I have not been allowed to leave this basement. <laughs> I have been given a stale loaf of bread. And a used Lowe's home improvement bucket. <laughs> I'm starting to feel a little rough. I've had only groundwater to drink. It's getting difficult, but that's okay. This is a draft show. No frills, all thrills. <laughs> this is what we live for. Craig Stout, our friend. Find him on Twitter at Barley Hop. How you doing tonight, bud? I'm doing fantastic, especially since three days ago, we all hung out. And when I say we all, I meant me, Jake, and Kent, because Kent would not let you out of his garage. You you were stuck. I lost the key to the lock. Listen, I couldn't find it. Craig, if I could make it to the garage, that would be a massive improvement. That would be like finding America right now, okay? I am in the basement below the garage. It's cold. I know any he took the Mahomes shrine out of the basement, so you can't even enjoy Pat's visage while you're passing time. I that- get old unwanted kids' toys and binders full of high school material from Kent to read. That's all I have to do down okay, here. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Now we're definitely starting a podcast full of Kent's high school binders. Oh, no. And laundry. I'm forced to do all the laundry. <laughs> you're doing a really bad job, by the way. Okay, enough of that bit. It's time to talk about the NFL draft. Uh, before we do, though, I think we've kind of got to talk a little bit about some of the roster construction moving forward. I think that you know there's there's several players that you know are unrestricted free agents or that could potentially be cut by this football team uh, before the next season starts. So I just want to kind of start here. We're going to go down the list. We're going to go one at a time. Uh, we're going to play a little bit of stay or go. So these are guys that. Um, that are unrestricted free agents. Are the Chiefs going to re-sign them? Or are they going to let them walk? And we'll start with Anthony Sherman. I think this is Anthony Sherman's last year. Uh, I think you're seeing his role continue to diminish. Uh, and I, I just I wonder if John Lovett might not be the the fullback of the future. Uh, Maddie, how about Matt Moore? What do you think? I think Matt Moore is going to be on his way out. I'm not sure that Matt Moore's long for this uh, backup gig long term. I think they're trying to find a quarterback, a younger quarterback that they trust to be that guy. I'm not sure it's going to be Matt Moore anymore. It seems like Chad Henney is maybe their preferred player anyway. Okay, Craig, Demarcus Robinson, stay or go? Oh, he gone. Uh, D-Rob <laughs> just, he he's not done well enough in the opportunities that he's needed to with Tyree Kill out. Sammy Watkins kind of nursing some injuries this year. He has not shown that next step that he needs to take for the Chiefs to really pay him and trust him as a wide receiver. So I think they'll move on and look for somebody else to develop. 
All right, Emmanuel Ogba, uh, obviously torn peck. His season is over. I kind of wonder if the Chiefs aren't sneakily going to try to bring him back. He just makes a ton of sense. I think the pitch to, to Emmanuel Ogba is, hey, look, you've had a lot of success here in Kansas City. You were pacing for nine sacks. You were probably going to get paid pretty good by somebody else if uh, if everything had gone to plan and you'd been able to stay healthy for the season. So why don't you come back? Same scheme. You're, you're, you've got a leg up, Nick, this year. You can come back and be productive again and go get paid again in the offseason. I think that's the play. I think Emmanuel Ogba, I think it's the guy you try to bring back. Okay, we got to talk about Chris Jones because obviously this is the big question that who just about everyone under the sun except apparently Matthew Lane. I think the basement <laughs> is getting to him. Um, you know, I, I, Chris Jones is obviously a big, a big point of discussion. Uh, is this his last year in Kansas City? Um, what's the plan with Chris Jones? Craig, what do you think is happening with Chris Jones? Chris Jones is tough. Uh, I don't think that Chris Jones has the requisite mass to really play on the interior for Steve Spagnuolo's defense. We've talked about that at length, and we talked about how he's got more of a build for a defensive end in Spagnuolo's scheme. But the problem is Spagnuolo's scheme asks a lot of their defensive ends as far as kicking out against the run, being able to collapse and squeeze gaps. And I know it's very early with him having to play that role for Spagnuolo, but he's not performed it particularly well right now. I think if he was to stay, it would be in more of a sub-rush capacity, which he's very, very good at from an interior defensive lineman standpoint. He has an extreme amount of value as a pass rusher, but we've seen time and time again that defensive coordinators value three down players, guys that they can trust on every down, both against the run and against the pass. Those are the types of guys that they end up paying just throughout the league, not just Spagnola, but throughout the league. I think that Chris Jones may be on his way out because I just don't really see that he can be a three-down player for Spagnuolo. He still has the chance to go out there and be that guy throughout the rest of the year. If he steps up and performs better than he has, then yes, absolutely, they could pay him. But right now, I just don't really see an avenue towards him being a three-down starter for this defense, and I don't think they'll pay him $21, 22000000 million a year to not be a three-down guy. I'm going to upset Chiefs fans. I think he's 100% going to be available. He's going to be very available. I can't promise another team's going to give up what the Chiefs are going to want for him, but he's going to be available for trade. And I think, to make Chiefs fans even more upset, I think he's going to fetch less than you're thinking in your head right now on the open market. I think a lot of teams are, or not on the open market, but in terms of the trade market, I think a lot of teams are going to have the same concerns that Craig's talking about the Chiefs having. Do you play him inside? Can you trust him to defend the run on the inside on a down-by-down basis? You uh, Most teams obviously aren't going to play him at defensive end. I think you've seen the issues that creep up there in terms of his conditioning level or just his effort level on a play-by-play basis when he's asked to do a bunch of small things that some teams are going to ask out of defensive ends. So he's an interior player. That's going to be his best fit going forward. It's just what team is going to want to pay him that much money or trade for him to do it. So I think he's going to be available to trade. I'm just a little more 50-50 on if a team is going to offer up enough to get him away from the Chiefs. Yeah, I think you're you're staring down a a tag and trade. Um, And I think that's ultimately what's going to happen with him. I think think this is his last year in Kansas City. Uh, He he does not... All the the things that Craig has mentioned is valid. And they don't... What Chris Jones is does not typically align with everything that Steve Spagnuolo typically covets up front. And, um, you know, look at the guys that they've brought in. Uh, Derek Nani's probably a little bit undersized technically because he's only like 305 or something like that. But he typically likes guys like Colin Saunders who are closer to 315, 320. Uh, And I, I think, you know, Chris Jones, really good player. I think he's going to fetch something. I, I tend to agree with Maddie. I've had people in my mentions talking about like a first and a third or something like that. You're going to be disappointed if you think the Chiefs are getting a first and a third for Chris Jones. I just don't see that happening. And as good of a player as Chris Jones, I think there's plenty of concerns about him. Uh, and, and I think 
with the whole relationship with the Chiefs right now, Chris Jones held out trying to get paid. He he wanted that Frank Clark deal. The Frank Clark deal is not happening. I think you heard them talk the Chiefs vision envision paying Chris Jones more in the Grady Jarrett kind of range, which is a little bit more reasonable for what they have with him right now. So just I just think- putting it out there. D Ford's playing less than 50% of the snaps for the San Francisco 49ers right now. He is a sub rush player. The Chiefs got a second for him. So, and I mean, D Ford's hurt. And D Ford's hurt. But, I mean, it, it was the second for him. There was obvious injury concerns there. But just to kind of put that in perspective, D Ford is an excellent pass rusher. That's what Chris Jones is as well. So, keep that in mind when you're trying to think about what the Chiefs might be able to get for him. I kind of feel like Chris Jones is going to fetch a second, maybe a little bit extra. I think he gets a little bit more than D Ford, but I don't think it's going to be that much more. I don't think there's as many injury concerns with D Ford, but you're not going to be you're not going to be as impressed with the return on Chris Jones as I think some people have in their mind. He's not getting he's not getting the Frank Clark return. He's just not. I mean, that's that's not happening. I wish he would. I wish he was. Yeah, believe me. I like talking about the draft, and we're going to talk about that plenty here in a minute. Let's talk about some cuts though. Uh, I'm just gonna, we're going to go down the line. You don't have to give a long answer. These are all guys that could potentially be cut from the Kansas City Chiefs before the season starts. We'll start with Austin Ryder. Saves $2.4 million to cut him. I think the Chiefs are cutting Austin Ryder. Uh, Maddie, Damian Williams, you can save $2.3 million on the running back. Are they cutting him or are they keeping him? Does he play running back? Yes. Yes. Cut him. Don't need him. <laughs> they don't matter. <laughs> this has been branded into me down here in the basement apparently (laughs) (laughs) you believe that before damien wilson sam linebacker well actually not even really this year what who we thought was going to be the sam linebacker for the kansas city chiefs you can save three million dollars by cutting damien wilson craig what are you doing damien wilson is not a will linebacker and they're playing him at will linebacker if they find a will linebacker i think that it's fine to pay a sam three million dollars to set the edge over there I just worry that if he's still on the roster, that Spagnuolo will lean on him as a Will linebacker. So I'm cutting him because I just want a better Will linebacker on the roster. One of the benefits of uh, this job is I get to pick the rundown, and I get to write the rundown, and I get to control (laughs) what I get to talk about. Here comes a rant. Get to the point, rant, Swanson. $3.25 million to cut Cam Irving. Bye, Felicia. Uh, Maddie, Daniel Sorensen, the hero. I, maybe I should have asked this on a different week because everybody's been like, no, Dan Sorensen, he just had a big interception. $3.75 million to save if you cut Dan Sorensen next year. What are you doing? Here's the problem. Dan Sorensen is a third safety on the team. He's decent at being a third safety because you can use him in situations that only fulfill his strengths. There are very few, but he's got some strengths. So you can only use him in those situations. At his price tag, that's a steep price to pay for a third safety that in theory, if you improve your will linebacker, you are not going to be playing near as much. I personally think they should move on from Daniel Sorensen. I just don't know if they trust Armani Watts or Jordan Lucas to completely take over that role right now. I'm not sure they're going to move on from him without a quality replacement already on board and up to speed. Okay, Laron Duvernay-Tardif saves $5 million cutting him, $7 million with a post-June 1 cut, Craig. I just, uh, the Chiefs have found good value with their interior offensive linemen, and LDT is, uh, there's no way to sugarcoat this. He's overpaid. He's not lived up to that contract so far. I like LDT a lot. I think he's a He's an awesome dude. I he spoke to me once and it was amazing. Like in that Canadian accent, it was it was fairly incredible. But I, <laughs> <laughs> but I do think that the Chiefs would be better served with that free money that they can spend. I would post June one him and hope that he can find another job. Maybe he can improve a little bit more as a, as a guard. I uh, the only thing with LDT the only hesitancy I have and it's not a big one is I I think they're gonna move on from Austin Ryder flat out because he's terrible um, and uh, the Chargers game was not a good look for him um, but so if if you're just really turning over the entirety of that interior I offensive know. line there's no continuity yeah. that's the only concern I have with that I but, agree but he, if, but he's all, paid so much he's paid he's paid nine million dollars this year. 
John and can't play a full season. Thanks. And he has missed a lot of time the last two seasons. Thanks, John Dorsey. Sammy Watkins, you can save $14 million by Bye. Yep. Bye. Bye. Later. Best best of luck, Lizard King. Uh, you were really fun a lot of, well, some of the time. All right, guys, it's time to talk about the Senior Bowl. The, uh, the, Woohoo! There's a lot of prospects that we want to talk about. We're going to go one position or one, one player at each position. Let's kind of go that route. Just talk a little bit about all these guys. Um, if you have anything... Feel free to jump in, guys. Um, and uh, these are all guys I think we've all had eyes on already. Believe it or not, the KC Draft Guide is uh, is it's well on its way. <laughs> we are already putting in a lot of work. We've already got plenty of guys graded. It's going to be a fun draft. And I think when they, we get to the mock draft, you'll kind of see some of the conversations and, and some of our thought, presses, th- thought processes based on what we're kind of learning about this, this every group. draft is fun every draft is fun let's we're just massive dorks just just ginormous dorks i'm so irrationally excited and it starts with this guy the senior bowl there's no quarterbacks yet but i just wanted to talk about joe burrow for a second Whew. my guy claiming it now my guy maddie's guy joe burrow oh no well that was so mean <laughs> I love Joe Burrow. I I am confessing my love for Joe Burrow. Uh, Let the good people know who was on him first, though. Let no, the good no, people know. No. Let them know. Okay, Maddie. Let them know, Kate. When, when were you on this? Uh, this is a this is a conversation for another day. I I need to hear this this claim that you are trying to put on. Joe Burrow is having an excellent season, and there's really not much. I think to that's an understatement. <laughs> yeah, he he is having like. I, Honestly, this is some of the most fun I've had watching a college prospect in a long time. I expect him to come to the Senior Bowl. We've had conversations. Maddie's guy doesn't – he's Maddie's guy, but Maddie doesn't believe he's going to the Senior Bowl. Because he's already going number one. That's how much of my guy he is. <laughs> Joe Burrow, I think if, if you've had any any chance to watch him, pocket under, understanding of the pocket, movement in the pocket, so ability good. to create out of structure, in structure, in chaos – with limited space around him. He's throwing the ball down the field with confidence, uh, with timing, touch, anticipation. He is making some of the best throws I've seen from a college quarterback in the last 10 years. And it's 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 consistent. There's no drop-off. That's what's so amazing. He's getting time, he's getting tested time over time. And this guy is just out here just delivering in in all kinds of situations on the road against top-tier talent. There's I've been waiting for the shoe to drop, and it's just not going to drop. Joe Burrow's the real deal. The arm talent is not top shelf, but that's the only thing I can find with this guy that I'm a little bit concerned about. I think the big issue with Joe Burrow is if you watched him last year at LSU, especially at the beginning of the year, it looked a little rough. He looked like a guy that was trying to adapt to a new offense, a new team, and it really wasn't working. If you cut the year in half last year, and only look from then on, you're looking at about a full college season right now, and he's been excellent. There's been some rough showings, and all of them, not even most, all of them were from last year. This year, new offensive coordinator. LSU has finally designed an offense that is not from the 70s, and Joe Burrow has took off. He has been amazing from week one this year. Scratch that. He's been amazing since like the last two games of last year going into this year. Every single week, like Kent said, it's his pocket movement, it's his accuracy, his touch on throws, his deep balls have been absolutely amazing. He has been the best quarterback that I've seen for a while in college. I'm not saying he has the best NFL like ceiling, but the best NFL court or the best college quarterback I have seen in terms of an NFL prospect for quite a few years now. He's been excellent, and there's a few more weeks left. He could choke against Georgia. He could show some chinks in the armor going forward, but. I don't expect it because he's been my guy this entire season. He is going number one. I put Kent on him. Don't let him tell you otherwise. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Craig, do you Listen, have anything else to add? Yeah, when you go and you handle Nick Saban's defense, that <laughs> that that's when – just to run you down, at this point when we're recording this, uh, LSU's played 10 games. He's thrown for almost 3,700 yards – 38 touchdowns, six interceptions, and a 78.6 completion percentage. While playing Florida, Auburn, and Alabama. And Texas, but Texas doesn't count because Texas sucks. Texas is terrible. Horns down. But he's not played 
bad competition. He's not no. beating up. This isn't Hawaii. He's not putting up ridiculous numbers <laughs> against a bunch of nobodies. This is this Houston. Is, this is good, good competition, and he's able to put up these staggering numbers. His jump from last year to this year, and I know Matt said at the end of last year, he did start to show that these signs were there. He started at Ohio State. He was redshirted. He was playing behind JT Barrett, and then when Dwayne Haskins was getting that job, he transferred to LSU. If you guys don't know about him, tune into an LSU game. I know they're going to be in the collegiate playoff. He's so fun to watch. He's so good, and his understanding of the pocket is just so amazing to watch him navigate. It's it's great. It's a joy to watch uh, as a guy who's been a lifelong Joe Burrow fan who followed him on <laughs> on the recruiting trail. No, uh, we're not going to talk this much about every prospect. I promise. But we just kind of had a gush. Oh, about he's so yes, good we are. <laughs> oh no, Maddie's here. I forgot. Uh, Zach Moss uh, at the running back spot. He has already accepted his um, his senior bowl invite. He is a running back out of Utah. Guy who the real big knock on him is his injury history. He's had some significant injuries. I think he had a shoulder injury this year already. But what I love about Zach Moss is he has exceptional contact balance. I it's It's Kareem Hunt kind of contact balance. I'm not afraid to say it. I gave him a near-perfect grade on his contact balance when I was doing some tape work on him. I think he's got some ability to catch the football. I don't think he's an overly dynamic route runner or anything like that. I don't think he's an overly explosive player, but I think he's just a solid, steady guy um, that you can turn around and hand the ball off to with confidence if he's healthy. And that's really the big knock on him. I like Zach Moss. I think he's a good football player. Just the way Kent described him and how I see when I watch him is I see, for the Chiefs specifically, a slightly better Daryl Williams. And I don't know if that's worth a draft pick. I don't know if I love Zach Moss and his ability to fit in the Chiefs offense, the way their rushing attack works with a running back starting from a complete standstill, not getting any momentum, having to read the field while accelerating and using their lateral quickness. I'm just not sure it's, we are the best fit for Zach Moss. You add on the injury concerns. And to me, I'm not out on Zach Moss. I just, he's definitely not a guy that I'm quite as high on as Kent is just yet but he's a very talented player I'm just not sure he's the best fit and when you're talking the position of running back that simply doesn't matter you better have a perfect fit to get me to want to use a quality draft pick on you okay at the wide receiver position Brandon Ayuk from Arizona State he's a guy that's you know maybe not getting as much buzz but I think the important thing you need to understand about this uh, receiver group just across the board is it's rare it is one of the deepest <laughs> oh receiver goodness, groups yes. I have ever ever seen there's so many guys that should go earlier than they are um and in other situations than other years probably would uh brandon ayuk is a guy i don't think he's 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 one of the more enjoyable players to watch um just just watching him play the game uh he's he's a home run hitter he's he makes some big plays um he's really explosive i've seen him take several slants uh, for big yards or or touchdowns, um, he's not a overly um, refined player yet. But I think the athletic traits are very tantalizing, and um, you know I, I think he's a guy that really could develop nicely into a very explosive offensive weapon. For me, Ayuk is a guy that has very good size and athletic combination. I'm not sure he's overly excellent at either one. And like Ken said, he's definitely a developmental player. He's still learning the nuances of playing wide receiver. He's very interesting for me in the mid-rounds. I think he needs a little bit of work, but I like his combination of size and not just speed, but his overall athleticism. I think he's definitely a little bit shiftier than you expect out of a guy his size. He might not have that elite top-end speed, but his body control and feel with the ball in his hands is very good. He's probably not on my short list of receivers I really, really want, which is essentially CeeDee Lamb and the rest rest of the world but he's a guy that is very good and if you want to take him in the mid rounds to get a guy developing in the system he's worth a look i'm excited to see him at the senior bowl just to see if he starts to kind of pop in terms of his technical ability as a receiver yeah and he's a guy that i think i think with this class being as strong as it is we're going to see a lot of guys that maybe would have been 
you know, second round picks and things like that in previous drafts fall to the third because teams are going to wait. There's such good top end talent and a lot of it. It's it's not it's not just top end heavy. It's also got good depth. Like I'm not sure McCall Hardman, even with that speed that teams covet, oh. is a second round pick in no. this wide receiver class just because it's so good. And that's not a knock on McCall. That's just saying that it, it the complete type of receivers that you can get out of this class overall are are just so much better. So I think that Ayuk is maybe that sort of guy that could be a third, early fourth round guy that in previous drafts you'd have to spend a higher quality pick on. Like like these guys have both said, he needs some seasoning, but he does have a little bit of nuance to his routes. He, he does let the ball get into him a little bit more when he's trying to catch it, but he's so much fun to watch because he's an explosive agile player i i'm very curious to see how the nfl views him in this class he might be one of those sleeper guys that we see later on in the draft tight end bryson hopkins from purdue has accepted an invite to the senior bowl um and he's more of a move guy like he's not i don't even know if i'm going to call him a move guy he's just not a guy that's an inline blocker he might be more like an evan ingram type than 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 anything more of a big receiver but watching him run routes, I think he's one of the better route running tight ends. And he does kind of give me some of those feelings that I had watching Evan Ingram. But I think he's a better route runner than Evan Ingram was coming out, frankly. I know. Um, yeah, he's. I, I think he's got extremely fluid hips for a guy his size. Um, I think he's like 6'4", 250. He's not much. He, he leaves a lot to be desired as a blocker. But I'm just very impressed by him um, as a route runner, fluid athlete. I'm really excited to get eyes on him at the Senior Bowl. Does he play tight end? Yes. Do you have to pick him top 150? Yes. Don't need him. We need a tight end two, not a tight end one. That's an undrafted free agent. Wow. Bryson Hopkins is a very talented player. If you like athletic tight ends that are going to affect the game and the receiving part of the game, then he's the guy you're looking at. I think he needs a lot of work in the red zone. I don't think he's particularly strong at the catch point. He's very athletic, but I just don't love him at the catch point. And as long as he can clean that up, which we've seen somebody like Travis Kelsey in particular do in the NFL, he can be a very good tight end in the NFL. I think the Chiefs, where they sit right now, they don't have the luxury of taking a Travis Kelsey replacement. And if that's the case, you're looking for a tight end too, which is just simply not a high draft pick. Yeah, I'm not advocating for taking Hopkins. And a lot of these guys, I'm not really advocating for taking them. I just wanted to kind of talk about positions at each in each point. Bryson Hopkins does not make sense for this football team um, <laughs> at this point. I'm just a big fan of his. And it's kind of one of those things. It's like getting you familiar with all these players so you understand what some player on some players that might go above some of the guys that we're taking. Bryson Hopkins could wind up very well being taken. Uh, you know, I, I've seen him mocked in the late first. So he might be a guy that winds up getting taken before the Chiefs wind up picking at 32 because there's still hope in my heart. Listen, he's no Foster Moreau, okay? Foster Moreau is good, and the Chiefs are stupid for not having Foster Moreau on their football team right now because it only cost him a fifth-round pick. Rant Swanson. Oh, he's back. Prince Tiga Winogo. Maddie, this is all you. This is your guy. I haven't watched him yet, but I know that you're a fan of his. The tackle out of Auburn has committed to playing in the Senior Bowl. Well, for starters, he is, in fact, a prince, so that's major bonus points right An there. An actual prince. Yes, an actual prince. Oh. So that's for starters. Was prince like Purple Rain, but... Secondly, he's... Not raw, but he's still a developmental guy. He's very athletic. He is a guy that you are not going to find many offensive tackles that move a whole lot better than him. And I think he's improved every year he's been at Auburn there. He's getting better. He's understanding technique. He's not necessarily weak at the contact point, but he's not going to overwhelm anybody at the contact point. He's just a guy that you get out in space. He's very much an offensive tackle prospect. He's not going to be moving inside. His footwork needs to be cleaned up a little bit, but just the natural ability to mirror a rusher is there. When he's not getting a little, his feet a little too close, webbed together, he looks really good just naturally mirroring a pass rusher that's trying to come up the arc. His hand technique is pretty solid for a guy that, again, still needs work. Auburn's notorious for not having well-executing offensive tackles or offensive linemen in general coming into the NFL. They definitely teach them how to run block, not really pass block very well, but Prince Tego Wanaga is very good in terms of just naturally mirroring rushers. I think if you get him in the, on your team, get him a year to sit on the bench and learn what he's doing, he's going to be an excellent player in the NFL. And just remember, 
Braden Smith came out of Auburn and he was pretty raw and you know he projected extremely well and he's having a lot of success in Indianapolis. I know there's another guy I just wanted to let you touch on real quick because he's a guy you've been touting as ta- at tackle as well as Josh Jones. And I'm going to make this one a little bit quicker here. But again, we're talking about athletes. Josh Jones makes Prince Teguanagu almost look like an offensive guard. Woo! He's that athletic and he's bigger. This guy is massive. We're talking 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, 320 plus pounds. And he moves so fluidly in any direction. And a guy that you want to talk about dominating at the point of contact, that's Josh Jones. He may have awful hand technique. His feet may have no idea what they're doing. You got to teach him a lot of stuff. But when he gets his hands on somebody or when he's moving out in space he's been absolutely dominant this year and he's looked a lot better this year for Houston than he did last year he's a guy to keep your eye on he's gonna blow up the kind of combine process leading up to the draft I could really see him climbing up draft boards especially if he has a strong senior bowl and like I said the workouts going up to the draft Maddie where do you think Josh Jones out of Houston is gonna wind up going I think after a big combine, I wouldn't be surprised to see him in the second round. I just think he is that kind of athletic upside. You cannot ignore a guy that size that's going to move the way he does. Those those drills, when you see those skill position drills, the often tackles get out there, and you see a guy bigger than everybody else that's moving better than them, especially laterally or backwards, it's going to raise some eyebrows. Someone's going to take him earlier probably than it looks like they should based on his tape just to see what they can get out of him. And again, I think he's worth the risk because it's just all natural ability right now. Houston, not notorious for having the best positional coaching going out there with Major Major Applewhite leading the charge up until this year. All right, Matt Pert is a guy along the interior offensive line at UConn. He's another guy that you're the primary grader on, Maddie. Actually, I think he's technically listed as a tackle, but I figured this would be a good way to kind of sneak him in here and let you talk about him because I know you put eyes on him recently as well. Matt Pert's a little different from the other two. He's not near the athlete they are. He's not a terrible athlete. He's got a little bit of quickness in his feet. He's not quite as good in terms of moving laterally or getting that depth in reverse as these other guys are, but he's got a little explosion in him. He's a little bit more powerful. He's probably a better pure run blocker if you're going to line somebody head up over him. I understand the urge to want to move him back inside. He was a successful interior player before, but he's been successful as well on the outside, so he's kind of a guy that has that inside-outside versatility. I don't think the upsides is there, but he seems to be a little bit safer player and you don't have to develop him quite as much. Again, coming out of UConn though, he's going to have a little bit of hand technique that needs to be fixed up because it's not quite there. He's just more of a mauler that survived in, or that's surviving outside that was really good inside. So it's kind of where you want to use him is going to be up to the kind of team that drafts him. All right, we're going to take a break and we will be back with more senior bowl players on the defensive side of the ball right after this. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. 
And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, so we're going to talk about the defensive side of the football for the Senior Bowl, and then we're going to go ahead and do a little bit of mock draft. We're going to start here on the edge. Craig, Bradley, and I, one of a 1,000 Senior Bowl <laughs> participants at the University of Utah. We've already talked about one with Zach Moss. Basically, all of Utah's defense is on there. I think we, he even makes an appearance here in a little bit, but Bradley and I, another guy. Bradley and I is one of the seven dudes from Utah that has already accepted an invite to the Senior Bowl. Just ludicrous here. Anai is very agile, fluid in his movements. I, I like the toolbox that he approaches the game with. He's got a really like a lightning quick spin counter. He's caught a lot of guys off guard, and he's very good at making himself skinny when he's mo- making swim moves. The thing that that I like about Anai is that he seems to understand the game very well from an from an intellectual standpoint. He he approaches the game, he identifies things very well. He doesn't set a foot wrong typically, but where I think he may struggle at the next level is with his power. He's not a power rusher. He's not necessarily a Steve Spagnolo rusher per se on the edge. He does stack guards and tackles in the run game, but he doesn't really move them. And at this level, you want to see a guy like that be able to move them, be able to create some disruption with his power moves when he gets to the next level against bigger, stronger guys. I think he may be a little bit overwhelmed, and he doesn't have an elite burst as well. I think he's like a mid-round guy that could be really fun to watch as a technician in the right scheme. And I think there's some potential for him from a density perspective that he could develop into that a little bit. He's already at 265. Another edge to keep an eye on. He's technically an edge. If he was going to play in Kansas City, he's probably more like a a defensive pass rush specialist, Uh, maybe a Sam. Some people think he might be like a luxury Sam linebacker. That's Joss Uche from Michigan. He has one of the best first steps I've seen in a while. Um, I think one of the best in this class. But I don't think the Chiefs are really going to be well positioned to take him because he's going to wind up going in the second round, but he doesn't really fit the Chiefs. You're not, you're not investing in a luxury Sam type player, a defensive pass rush specialist. Like if, you know, if, J- if Jeremiah Otochu was good is basically the kind of role that you're looking at for Uche if he's in Kansas City. Defensive line, this is a first-round prospect from South Carolina. Javon Kinlaw, uh, a big dude. Maddie, what do you think about Javon Kinlaw? Javon Kinlaw might be the best player so far, or like the guy that's expected to go the highest and that's already accepted his senior bowl invite. Yeah. And he's absolutely insane. He's a guy that came to South Carolina weighing over 350 pounds, looking very sloppy, being very much a run-stuffing defensive tackle. He is now an absolutely shredded three-tech that explodes through the line all the time. He's an extremely strong player, has long arms. If you were ever to draw up a player that is very similar in terms of their effort level, or not effort level, but the conditioning level, their strengths, their weaknesses to Chris Jones, it would be Javon Kenlaw. He has that length. He has that rare strength to go with a good first step, good Lateral agility, but maybe not what you would expect out of a super extreme interior pass rusher. But he's that level of prospect right now, and I think he's going to keep climbing up draft boards. He's been absolutely dominant in games that have kept South Carolina in the game. He's put some very good offensive linemen on skates with his power. I think he's going to keep climbing up draft boards as long as he can convince teams that his weight issue when he entered college is no longer a thing and is a thing of the past. He could very well work himself into the top half of the first round. Yeah, and not only is he like Chris Jones in all that regard, he also sometimes play with plays with far too high of a pad level and gets, you know, huh. gets, yeah. So it's going to be a question, like teams are going to look at him and see obvious Chris Jones potential out of him. I think he's that kind of rusher if he keeps his weight under control. He did play as more of like a one or a big three last year. So 
I I wonder if teams maybe think that they can get him, even put a little bit more weight on him, knowing that he's got that kind of power on the interior and kind of help him with his anchor, you know, have a little more mass on the interior for some of these teams that like bigger interior defensive linemen. But I'm very interested to see how he looks in Mobile. He's going to provide the best test for a lot of these interior offensive linemen that we're going to get a look at because those are the types of guys, when they win against Javon Kinlaw, will take notice. Those are good players to have there to compete against these guys that you can kind of maybe see some good reps out of some third, fourth, fifth round interior offensive linemen. I don't think there is – I don't really think there's a ton of – I don't have – like based on what I've seen at this point, I don't have a ton of effort concerns with him though. So I think that is one thing that's good. Like I haven't really noticed that. I think he's played kind of with his hair on fire in a lot of the games I've seen. Uh, Lecky Fotu, another defensive lineman. Uh, I wanted you just to touch on really quick, Maddie. Uh, massive human being, absolutely massive human being. I know he's a guy that you're the primary grader on too. So, Leggy Fotu, if you want an interior defensive lineman that I think Chiefs fans should take note of for not round one, but yep. round two or three, yep. you want to take notes of a guy. This is a guy. If you want to pick a Damon Harrison, a Snacks Harrison type guy for Steve Spagnola, mm-hmm. this is a guy you should look at. He's not as stout. As Derek Nottie's the point of attack. He's he's good. He's very large. He's gonna play your zero one tech most of the time. But and he's a good run stuffer, but he's not gonna take on double teams and give up zero ground. He's much more explosive. He's a little linear. He's not super agile laterally. He's not a stiff guy, but he's a guy you should keep note of. He can really spring through his hips, explode through an offensive lineman, get a little bit of penetration, but just his size and his length of his arms, he's a guy that could really be a problem on the interior if he can continue to get taught up. He came in as a defensive end. Utah thought about using him as an offensive tackle at some point before he settled in kind of a defensive nose tackle kind of player. He's getting better and better this year. Just keep your eye on him. He's a very much chief type guy, especially if they move on from Chris Jones he makes a lot of sense for Steve Spagnola as another defensive tackle on the interior homie can move and I think he's like <laughs> yes, over he 330 pounds and <laughs> he's dense and I think he's very explosive he may not you're right he might be a little bit linear and but if he wasn't linear he'd probably he's he's probably going in the first round He's yeah. He's a slightly <laughs> lesser version of Vita Vea. Yeah, yeah. that's very much that's what he exactly reminds right. me of. And I thought Vita Vea was extremely overdrafted. So if you want, if you like Vita Vea, you're gonna like him. And yeah, you're not gonna think he's as good, but you're gonna like him. And I think he very much fits what Steve Spagnuolo usually likes at a defensive tackle. And I think he would really round out that rotation of giving you a little bit of pass rush, but also just the size and space eating ability he likes out of his defensive tackles. All right, Jordan Brooks at the linebacker position from Texas Tech has already accepted his Senior Bowl invite. I think, guys, linebacker is something that we're all probably going to be paying a lot of attention to uh, during draft season. Uh, Craig, tell us a little bit about Jordan Brooks. Jordan Brooks out of Texas Tech is a 245 guy. He played Sam his junior year. His senior year, he's playing a Mike role for the Texas Tech Raiders. I know people don't really think defense when they think Texas Tech but I think he's got the requisite athleticism he's decent enough in in coverage he's got good size and range for the position I do think that he needs a lot of help with this processing I do I think that's part of the reason why they played him as a Sam linebacker last year try to limit some of the things he had to do you see him shoot the wrong gap sometimes but that's a guy that you can bring in and try and hope to develop to be your future my I think that he could be that sort of guy. And he's probably a guy in the middle rounds if if he's there that you really want to consider because he would add a little more athleticism to your linebacker core. He'd ask, offer you another roll on the dice on what is becoming an increasingly more and more expensive position at that middle linebacker role. Jordan Brooks isn't an elite athlete. He's not going to blow you away at the combine. And like Craig said, he's very much kind of a not, he's not reading and reacting. He's pretty much just reacting. He's waiting to see what the offense does to really tip their hand. And then he's attacking, but he's doing so at an adequate pace. He's not particularly reading wrong. He just doesn't always do so as quickly as possible. I think he fits the baseline minimum you're going to need out of a lot to be a line three down linebacker in the NFL. Not sure if he's an ideal fit as a will linebacker, which the Chiefs really need, but if they want a developmental Mike 
to maybe take over for Anthony Hitchens if he doesn't figure it out. I really like Jordan Brooks. He's a very sure tackler, and he hits hard. That's what I think I really like about him. He's bringing guys down when he makes contact, and he does a very good job at making contact. It's just a matter of where he does it on the field in the NFL because sometimes at the college level, he can be a little behind the play, a little more than you'd like out of the guy that's going to be the main linebacker for your team. Another position we're probably going to be keeping a lot of attention on. Uh, I can guarantee it because <laughs> it's all we talk about in the DMs. <laughs> the cornerback position and Jeff Gladney out of TCU is at the Senior Bowl, already committed to the Senior Bowl. And Craig, I know this is a guy you are a very big fan of. I love Jeff Gladney. I think I'm higher on him than most. I love his football IQ. The Jeff Gladney diagnoses things better than almost everybody else in this cornerback class, and it's a good cornerback class. He understands route distributions, breaks, and his positioning on everything is typically fantastic. He's got great ball skills. He beats the receiver to the catch point. He's got an interception against Purdue where he sinks. It just makes it a crazy athletic play. High points the ball. Had no business making an interception on it. Just a phenomenal play. He's just a little bit thinly built. Hakeem Butler for Iowa State kind of took him to task a little bit. A bigger receiver. And he, he struggles to frame a little bit from his press coverage. But honestly, he's a spags corner. He's not afraid to come up and hit. And smart, long with ball skills. Uh, he's a guy maybe at the bottom of the first, early second. That sort of range is about right for Jeff Gladney. I think he's going to blow up the senior bowl. I think he's going to look really good. I'm ecstatic to get to see him. Had to give you a chance to talk about one other guy because in May you started watching 2019 or 2020 <laughs> prospects, and one guy we found out got a senior bowl invite, Kendall Vildor from Georgia State. Georgia Southern. No less. Georgia, I mean, Georgia Southern. Southern. 5'11", 190, another instinctual dude. Uh, uh, Kendall Vildor will destroy a lead blocker on a bubble screen. Like, he will run straight through him. He's aggressive. I love his collision technique when he's working underneath in, in two read a little bit. He, he's got... he's physical and he understands when to use it when to release and how to disrupt the timing for a lot of these receivers he's a little bit stiffer hipped guy uh he needs some help on his footwork if you're looking for a very fluid athlete it's not vildor but he reminds me of uh, like a, a much better rashad fenton maybe a, a guy that i think that they could target as a smaller school guy and trying to develop the sort of things that he's already got. I love the way that he plays. He jumped out at me when I was watching this summer. And yeah, I, I was, again, another guy I was ecstatic to see at the Senior Bowl. All right, one more Utah guy. Shocker. How about Julian Blackman, the uh, safety out of Utah, Craig? I know you're my, a big fan of him, too. My best friend, Julian Blackman. Uh <laughs> When you stay up late, if you got a kid and you, you're up late, you watch a lot of Pac-12 football. Uh, you watch a lot of Utah because they got a lot of guys on that defense. Julian Blackman, another very instinctual safety. His click and close is phenomenal, and he's a playmaker. Uh, this past weekend, he absolutely wrecked the game for Utah, came up with an interception, forced a fumble where he just practically stole the ball from a quarterback. I... I like him as a playmaker. The Chiefs may be looking for a third safety. There's a lot of guys with some questions. Julian Blackman, I don't think, is going to get a whole lot of praise. He's obviously going to the Senior Bowl, so he's good enough for NFL teams to consider in those earlier rounds. But I do think he's a guy that may be available later. If he slips, I can see the Chiefs taking a role on a safety to try and fill that third safety role. And I'd love for Justin Blackman to come play for him. Okay, um, let's go ahead and look at a mock draft now. Promised a mock draft, and the Chiefs were picking twenty fifth on some uh, on the current board. So we're just gonna go ahead and go with that. We're all hoping that it's more than it's later than twenty fifth. Let's just be honest, but that's okay. Uh, we're go we're gonna do a five round mock because the Chiefs only have five picks right now, and they're all in the first five rounds. One, two, three, four, five. We'll start at pick 25, Maddie. Who are the Chiefs taking at pick 25? 
So I would love to throw a corner on the Chiefs team at pick 25. Unfortunately for me, there's a separation between the top four corners of this class and the next about 10 guys. Okay, probably more like five or six guys. But it's, I'm not sure that my CB5 is that much better than my CB8, 9, or 10. So with the top four guys already off the board at 25 because they are that good, the Chiefs look to fix their second biggest problem linebacker they take Kenneth Murray linebacker out of Oklahoma if you want an athletic linebacker that covers ground that gets everywhere you want Kenneth Murray you will see him pop up on the sidelines in the backfield 20 yards downfield he can do it all he has zero athletic limitations this year he's seeing the field extremely well we talked a little bit about how Texas Tech isn't known for the defense Neither is Oklahoma. Absolutely not is Oklahoma. But Kenneth Murray will catch your eye any Oklahoma game you tune on. He has been phenomenal this year. He is an absolute athletic monster. As long as he continues to process the game better like he has to start this year, he's 100% going to work his way into the top 50 picks this upcoming NFL draft. Kenneth Murray against Texas that first half is some of the best linebacker tape that I've seen in a long time. He owned Sam Ellinger, and a lot of people thought Sam Ellinger was going to be like an or a Heisman Trophy kind of candidate kind of guy. He was absolutely destroyed by Kenneth Murray multiple times and just being run down, getting blasted. (laughs) Yeah, shot him into shot him out of the combo. Fifty-seven, Craig. Is there a cornerback potentially? I am going cornerback here. Cameron Dantzler was on the board. I like Cameron Dantzler. I like him maybe even a little earlier than this out of Mississippi State. He's long, 6'2 guy, 185 pounds, and he has speed to burn. He plays the ball well in the air. His short area quickness is great. He does well diagnosing things in front of him, clicking and closing downhill. Uh, He played inside outside and as a deep safety for mississippi state he's very physical at the line of scrimmage he basically has done everything that you would ask of a cornerback he just needs that refinement he need, he's just a little sloppy with his footwork he has to make up there he has to use the speed to make up for his processing but at this point that kind of physical attributes you you are not going to be able to find add him figure it out teach him how to play the game because that's a potential top flight corner I think the Chiefs are going to be able to to get away potentially with with a second round cornerback. I think that's one of the lines of thinking that Maddie kind of alluded to it there earlier. There's like eleven cornerbacks that we've all had discussions about that we would feel Love comfortable them. with the Chiefs taking, and there's not very many. I the eleventh cornerback doesn't get taken until the third round, like in the last five drafts. So the Chiefs are going to be able to potentially get away with some very talented player at cornerback in the first two rounds. Maybe a Bryce Hall, too. Keep an eye on Bryce Hall. We've been talking about him since last year. Mm-hmm. Um, at receiver or at 89, I went with a wide receiver. Uh, and it's Devontae Smith. And honestly, I think it's stupid that Devontae Smith would be available at 89. But the exercise we did, he was available. I would not be surprised if he's not available out after the second round. Devontae Smith... I think is very slept on. He is a receiver out of Alabama. He's kind of the third guy in that group. You know, Henry Ruggs and Jerry Judy, obviously those two receivers get all the attention at receiver. But Devontae Smith is very good. And I don't understand why he's not getting much more attention. He's more nuanced as a route runner than people realize and some of the other guys that are going to get drafted ahead of him potentially are. Um, I think he might be a little bit too too much of a body catcher at times. I think there's sometimes where he could go out and you know extend his hands and use his hands, but he kind of lets it get into his body a little bit too much. But I've seen him have success. Um, you know, he, I think he runs a really quality slant route, and he's fast. It's not like this guy's slow either. Like I don't understand. Like I really don't understand why this guy is is not is not down is is in the third round in some of these exercises out here. He's over six foot and probably is going to weigh a buck 80. I think that's where you start. What? Who cares? Good football player. Stupid. Let my man thrive. Hopefully, put him in Kansas City. Put him in Kansas City. Pick 121. Yes, after the compensatory picks, it will not be 121. It'll be a little bit later. But Maddie, go ahead and give us pick 121. At this point, I think the Chiefs need some trench help. I'm not a wild Kansas Jayhawks fan. I usually refrain from picking them because they are terrible at football. However, Thanks, Akeem Adinaji 
has impressed me when I turned on his film. I was quite impressed with a Kansas Jayhawks offensive lineman's footwork. It is some of the better footwork I have seen for an offensive tackle that I've watched on tape in the last couple years. He stays extremely light on his feet. He keeps a good base. He doesn't get too wide. He doesn't get too narrow. He quickly shuffles his feet. I don't think he's the best athlete. I don't think he's the strongest player, but he does a good job keeping a good base under him, a relatively good pad level, and moves his feet with the rusher no matter where they go. He stays in front of them. He mirrors them very well. As a run blocker, he knows what he's doing. He understands how to get good leverage. He can get beat up at the point of attack a little bit, and he'll sacrifice some space to make sure he seals his edge. I think he knows what he's doing well enough to survive at the NFL to play offensive tackle. Worst case scenario, you slide him inside, and you get an athletic interior offensive lineman. But I was a lot more impressed with him than I thought I was going to be, given the pedigree of what I have in my mind of Kansas football every other time I've watched them. Adeniji is a senior bowl invite. He uh, was told in his invite to not be surprised or be prepared to be asked to play inside along the interior offensive line. He's a four-year starter at Kansas. Came to Kansas because he was going to go to Air Force and got a had a, like an almond allergy or something like that and couldn't be in the Air Force. So that's how the Chiefs got him. They got him late, or how the, that's how the Jayhawks got him. They got him late. Wound up starting at tackle for four years for the Jayhawks. I like him, and I'm not a guy that typically... I typically try to shy away from local guys, too, because it doesn't want to look like... Like, everyone wants Missouri's fourth best receiver to come play for the Chiefs. In my mentions, it's like, you know this one guy that has, like, six catches? He'd look great in Kansas City. No, he wouldn't, because he's gonna, He's not even going to be in the XFL. He's going to look great in the Wichita Arena League, okay? Why are you running down my town, buddy? Because, Craig... <laughs> Do you have an arena football league team? Used to, yeah. Okay. They might still be there. I honestly don't know. They used I to like be. how Rant Swanson's ranting, not even about the topic at hand right now. <laughs> I know. I was getting really, really, really edgy today. Pick 153. Uh, another senior bowl invite that we've talked about already was available, Craig. Yeah, I, I'm I'm taking Bradley and I at that point. I, I know he doesn't fit the typical Spags you know, mold there, but... Uh, he's a great good pass rusher. I think that he can win as a fifth round guy. You're putting him on the field in you know sub rush positions, and you're telling him go out and beat your dude. I think he's capable of doing that. Lavert Hill was also available here. We, we thought about him as a slot corner. I I think that they still need to add that position. I would be fine with that as well. That's Lavert Hill from Michigan. From Michigan. Uh, yes, thank you. All right, you just had a couple quick mailbag questions from the uh, mailbag uh, earlier this week, so or last week, so we just thought we'd just kind of address them here. Um, Don Beal asks, Maddie, how would you feel if someone like Dylan Moses slid to 32? Well, I would feel quite fantastic if Dylan Moses fell to 32 and the Chiefs took him because he's the best linebacker in this class. I really like Kenneth Murray. I think Kenneth Murray maybe has a slightly higher ceiling and is definitely a better athlete, but Dylan Moses isn't far behind. He's definitely a better between-the-tackles linebacker. I think he sees the field a little bit better right now. He's a little bit more physical. I really like Dylan Moses. If he's there, I think he's a pretty clear automatic pick barring you know one of the top cornerbacks falling. But as long as he's coming back from his injury healthy and you get good medical reviews on him, which at this point in time, you know, an ACL injury isn't anything to really shy away from. Look at Jeffrey Simmons. It's just something you can get over with today's modern medicine. Dylan Moses is available in the first round for the Chiefs. Absolutely pull the trigger. He can play Will. He can play Mike. He can do whatever you want from him. Sport Talk Evan. Speaking of talk, uh, speaking of people in, in backyards, Olathe's own Isaiah Simmons. What sort of trade up would it take to get I Isaiah Simmons in fit likelihood? Uh, Craig, I I'm gonna try and keep this short. I have lots of thoughts about Isaiah Simmons, and we've been going for a little while here. But I am very curious to see what the what the NFL thinks of Isaiah Simmons. Isaiah Simmons is an explosive athlete, is an elite coverage linebacker. Isaiah Simmons also weighs 220 pounds, and he's 6'4". He's, he's a very lanky build linebacker. Brent Venables does not use him in the box, uses him exclusively as an overhang, kind of covering some slot <sighs> tight ends, move tight ends, running backs, things overhang. like that. <laughs> That's <laughs> what's that? Oh, great! <laughs> yeah, I I think 
we've seen, you know, the Chiefs already have a, a Clemson overhang on the roster right now. It, it's Dorian they O'Daniel. You can't see the field outside you of Dave Tobes hidden ninth of the game. Uh, I also think that when you're talking about Clemson defenders, you have to look at how many Clemson defenders, particularly linebackers, have really translated to the NFL. Venable seems to do a very good job of putting these guys in really good position to succeed. I think Isaiah Simmons is going to get drafted early, and he should, because that athletic ability is phenomenal. I just don't know. There's, You have to use him in a very specific, tailor-made role. I don't know if that's worth a first-round draft pick. He definitely would make the Chiefs' coverage and linebackers better, but I don't know if that's something that you want to spend an early pick with other needs on the team to try and make it there. I, I just... Because if you ever ask him to play between the tackles, guys, he, he's bad at that. So I, I think you have a very limited role for him. We're going to get a lot of Isaiah que- Simmons questions in the next six months, and we're not going to answer them the way people want us to. He's a, he's a worse he's Fred a Warner than he is a And Fred Warner went in the third round. Just let's go with that. And Fred Warner should have gone War- earlier. Yeah, Fred Warner it was a better linebacker. Imagine out. not having a top 50 grade on Fred Warner. I can't relate. Huh. <laughs> okay, Bo Leitner. And we've kind of answered this a little bit, but is there a dual-purpose linebacker that will really upgrade this defense available at 32 in next year's draft? And then the same question, but at cornerback. Craig, talk about linebacker. I think we already know the answer. Yes, Dylan Moses, Kenneth Murray. Those two guys are your top two. They're not as good as Devin Bush and Devin White were last year. This class has a little more depth in the middle rounds, but those two are very clearly the best two guys. But because they're not as good, they might actually fall to the end of the first round. The Chiefs may actually have an opportunity to draft one of those two guys. I would be ecstatic if they took either. Even with the need at cornerback, those two guys make a significant upgrade within the Chiefs' front seven. I'm still having to be talked into a little bit about the linebackers. Like I just, I, but there is a massive drop off between Dylan Moses, Kenneth Murray, and the rest of the group. So like I understand that. David Woodward, Evan Weaver, come on, man! Uh, you're you're just bums. gonna talk bad about my guys like that? Yes, I am because they're bums. Um, the cornerback position. So like it's it's a very it's it's a very nuanced question as far as a dual purpose guy. Like I mean. I don't know. If you want to talk about like Sean Wade, I think Sean Sean Wade's an interesting chess piece at the cornerback position. He can play inside. He can play out. He blitzes at an exceptional level. He's a physical player. He's a good tackler. Um, He's got ball skills. I've seen him make some good plays on the ball. Um, So he's kind of like a versatile guy that I think can play inside and out. Can he run? I'm still what? Can he run? He's a good. He can play inside (laughs) and out. He's physical. Uh, he's an interesting. He's an interesting cat. He is. I think he's a good player. He's a good. The player. overarching, the overarching thing about this cornerback position, I'll just list these guys off, just so you're aware of them, because you're going to hear about them a lot from us. Real quick: Jeffrey Okuda, Christian Fulton, Trevin Diggs, Paulson Adeabo, Sean Wade, AJ Terrell, Bryce Hall, CJ Henderson, Jalen Johnson, Jeff Gladney, Cam Dantzler, probably a little bit of David Ar- Damon Arnett from me, uh, and uh, that's about that's about it. Those oh, guys, you're probably going to hear. Did, did I miss more? Did I miss some more? Uh, they're just, yeah. They're, it's just a very good, like, I don't think you said C.J. Henderson. I did. Oh, did you? you just okay, I missed that. I, That's I okay. I just don't listen to you. I think after C.J. Henderson, before you mentioned Damon Arnett, was a pretty natural cutoff there. <laughs> I think you could split that group into two different groups, but there's your kind of tier one, tier two corners in terms of just overall talent for this class, and all of them are excellent. All of them should be top 64 picks. Chiefs get any of them. I'm going to be plenty happy. Hey, come away with two of them. I'm not going to complain at all. Woo! I, would, I wouldn't mind would. that extra second round pick the Chiefs get for Chris Jones. Hmm. Ooh. Hmm. Actually, I'd take one of those tackles. <laughs> take Prince Tiga. But I'm still trying to convince these guys about tackles. That's what that's my that's my mission. All right, that's gonna do it for a very long draft show. We've missed this. We needed this more than you guys needed to listen to it. <laughs> Thank you for spending an hour with us talking about the draft. We will be back with your regular scheduling program previewing the Chiefs and the Raiders uh, on Wednesday, a little bit early before uh, before Thanksgiving. 
So we'll catch you later. Thank you for listening to the AP Draft Show slash AP Laboratory. I don't know. And reviewing wide receiver one, C.D. Lamb versus Gladney. Yeah. All right. Catch you later. Free Maddie! Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.